2 Peter 1, beginning at verse 3. This is God's holy and infallible word. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then our, more of our focus tonight Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And that's our, our reading for tonight. So, I actually should have read the first two verses of Second Peter as well. But what we had seen um, in, in those first four verses of Second Peter, right, is that we have been given a precious faith. And God's word, as it were, holds up that faith like a diamond for us to see. And um, we saw its brilliance, we saw its beauty from six different angles as Peter writes about it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We marveled that our faith is as valuable as ever, as personal as ever, and as powerful as ever. Like a rare jewel, if anything, the faith's preciousness has increased from the time of the apostles until now when, when you consider uh, the centuries, the, the millennia, really, how the faith has seen God's people through all those hundreds of years, thousands, through suffering and persecutions, plus seen us through all the changing times, sinful cultures, competing worldviews in history. Beyond that, those three, we saw how the precious it, how precious the faith is because it includes God's promises. It means we participate in the divine nature and it purifies us as we live in this world. And so our faith is precious for some amazing reasons. And, and as God's people, we need these reminders, right? Because it's very possible to hold on to wrong things as the most precious things in our lives. Like that very tragic character of Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, we can get obsessed with or at least cling to our own special preciouses and be taken down over time uh, because of them. They're dragging us down. But Peter gives us an inspired and inspiring reasons to get refocused, recalibrated on our faith as our precious. But now Peter goes on. He says, all right, you've got this precious faith, but there's more. For this very reason, at the beginning of verse 5, or because of this, make every effort to add to your faith. So we're called to add to our precious faith. And this is really critical. And the order that Peter uses is extremely critical. Peter's now asking us to do something. 
right? But we notice when. It's only after he tells us and emphasizes what God has done for us. And that's so important because some people think uh, the Christian life is all about living a certain way. And you've heard people say, uh, maybe even in the church, well, that wasn't very Christian. Um, so, you know, for some people, the Christian faith at its foundation is about doing things. Religious activities like we are today. It's about being good, um, not getting drunk, not swearing, dressing nice and neat on Sundays, being kind to others, tithing. And we can slip into that mindset too, but it's a very big mistake. The very foundation of our faith, the very foundation of what it means to be a Christian, to be a believer, is that we don't have to do anything at all. In fact, of course, at the outset of our faith journey, we cannot, we're totally incapable of doing anything. The good news of the Bible and that we share wherever and whenever we can is what God has done for us. We literally can't do anything on our own. Romans says no one is righteous, not even one. Before we can do anything, we have to receive something. And that's why Peter talks first about what we have received, this precious faith. You don't ask a dead person to do anything. That would be crazy. They can't. Well, God doesn't ask us to do anything when we are dead in our sins. We first have to be made alive uh, before there's activity and work and effort on our part. We have to have life to be able to do that. We have to have muscles and nerves and brain activity and blood coursing through our veins. And we've been given that life when God starts working in our hearts and when God calls us and begins to, to draw us and woo us to himself and then when we exercise our faith in response to that. Peter's order helps us prevent uh, two possible mistakes, two extremes. People who think they'll be okay in this life and in any future life that there might be because of their own good works and lives by being virtuous and helping people. Um, people think that today. It was a mistake in Jesus' day in Old Testament times. It was a mistake that people made when uh, Peter wrote this letter to the young churches about 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. That can't happen. We've got to humbly acknowledge that God must do something first. And another extreme is people who think that because God does the work in our salvation, there's really not much uh, for them to do at all, ever. Little attempt is made at, at holy living. Little real attempt at discipline and growing in the Christian life. Now, if you, if you, can, if you imagine an imaginary line on the ground where if you're on one side of that line, you're not safe. But if you cross that other line, um, you're saved. You're, you're um, in, in God's care, right? You've decided for Christ. Um, some Christians 
again, we don't know anyone's heart, but by all outward appearances, appear to be content to, to just get over that line. Okay, I've accepted Jesus, I'm saved, I, I'm going to heaven, but not advance much further and explore the joy and the, the adventure of living the life of service and holiness. But that extreme, not doing much at all, is wrong too. God gives us our faith. He saves us. But now that we've received that gift, we're called to grow in faith. And in that work, adding to our faith, Paul, Peter says, make every effort. Make every effort. Someone wrote into Reader's Digest about a retired friend who became really interested in a construction project that was happening at a nearby shopping mall. And as he walked by, uh, he, he was always observing all the activity. And he was especially really impressed with the conscientious operator of one particular large piece of equipment. And so he was always standing there watching this guy just do some incredible, careful work. And the day finally came when uh, this, this friend had a chance to tell the operator how much he enjoyed his excellent and hard and careful, conscientious work. Looking astonished, the operator replied, you're not the supervisor? <laughs> Indira Gandhi, um, the famous Indian prime minister, not to be confused with the Indian activist, Mahatma Gandhi, Indira once said, my grandfather once told me that there are two kinds of people, those who do the work and those who take the credit. And he told me to try to be in that first group because there's a lot less competition among the people who are doing and trying to do the work. Um, speaking of work and making every effort uh, also, there was a study done, I think it was about 30 years ago. It was a study of mothers in Japan and mothers in the United States. And um, I don't know... There were broader questions to this study, but, but one thing that they figured out in particular was they asked, what does it take for children to succeed academically? Okay? They asked Japanese mothers. They asked American mothers. What does it take for children to succeed academically, to do well in their studies in school? American moms said ability. Japanese moms said effort. That's a very big cultural difference. And it seems to be a difference between a can-do attitude, right, effort, work, versus a sort of passive attitude about life. And to me, you would think, and maybe you too, that the can-do attitude, that uh, would be the American attitude. And I really think historically it was, but that we've seen a big change in the last decades, um, a change in values and a change in priorities in our nation. You know, entitlement attitudes seem to have taken over 
wealthy, poor, Democrats, Republicans, and everyone in between. It just seems so pervasive. Why I'm bringing this up is because that would mean the, the truth of that, and it's 30 years ago, I know, but I feel like all indications are that would be the same today, if not even more so. What that means is this make every effort would seem to go against the grain of our culture today, right? If effort, if hard work is a decreasing value around us, that's going to impact our work, certainly, but also our Christian life and spiritual life and the work we put or don't put into that. In the Christian life of service, that we're called to in the home, in the church, in the world, there's a tendency to, to figure that, that certain people have certain spiritual gifts. Let's say, oh, I can tell, you know, so-and-so, you know, they're, they're so prayerful, they have so much trust, and there's so much patience. And that's really cool, but those aren't my gifts. So, um, and we kind of give up. I'm just a worrier by nature. It's who I am. I can't really change it. I'm a critical person, and I can be a little bit cynical and a little bit negative as a result. That's just my nature. Or I'm just not someone who can spend much time in quiet and, and do tons of praying and devotions and meditating on God's word, I'm much more an action-oriented person. Or I'd love to do better in relationships, but I'm more of a doer. I serve. That's just who I am. Like with our jobs, and I've experienced this as I've uh, talked to elders and had annual reviews for the last 10 years, and you have probably too, in any person's job, um, you have some things that are you're more naturally good at, but then things that you're not, that your job involves, you're called to work at those things and grow in those things, right? There are spiritual gift questionnaires uh, to find out uh, what you are best at in the Christian life as a member of God's family. And on some level, to a certain extent, they're okay, I think, but not if they contribute to the sort of thinking of, so, okay, these three things, these are my God-given gifts and ability, and that's about it. I'll focus there. But the Bible says, make every effort to add to your faith. We're not content with the status quo. We're not content uh, to just get over the line. I'm saved, yippee, I can kick back. God's grace makes it possible to have this effort. And we're called to use it. We're called to grow. Right? And that tells us that spiritual growth is not automatic. Yes, if we're saved, it means we all have received the Holy Spirit. But growing more holy is not an automatic thing we're called to work at it philippians 2 says work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. Philippians 3 talks about striving ahead. And here, make every effort to add to your faith. Next time, we're going to see what Peter calls us to specifically in terms of adding to our faith. Okay? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Um, Help us to be challenged by your word. Help us, Lord, to not make the mistake of feeling that that we've arrived. At the same time, oh God, help us to experience uh, your your comfort and uh, the joy of just belonging to Jesus and that we are secure in that belonging in this life, whatever it brings, um, and for all eternity. In the context of all that you've done for us, uh, we just want to give back to you as best we can, as much as we can. Um, And so I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us uh, with increasing desire uh, to live for you, to be in your word, uh, to grow in all the ways you call us to, as we'll see in more detail uh, in the upcoming couple of verses in 2 Peter. Bless your people as we grow Bless your church here and everywhere as we seek to add to our faith and to make every effort to add to our precious faith. Thank you so much as as we move ahead to focusing on the cross that, um, oh God, you you died to forgive us all our sins, including our our apathy, our, our sitting still, our things left undone. Um, and that with your resurrection power, we really can grow in the faith. In your name we pray, amen.